the best of both worlds, really. You know, I'm able to be the mother I want to be when I'm off, and then I'm the nurse that I want to be when I'm not off, when I'm working. You know, I put my head down and do my shifts, and it's just a great combination that's fulfilling for me, and then it's good for my family. You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. I'm your host, Nasima McElroy of Financially Intentional. Let's spark some flames, y'all. Have you gone to the grocery store a million times this week and still forgot the onion? Don't trip. Instacart's got your back. Get local fresh groceries delivered right to your front door in as fast as an hour. No need to stress like I do when I send my boyfriend to the store for apples and half of them are bruised. Every item is hand selected by shoppers to your personal preference. And check this, you can shop from multiple stores in one order. Instacart also looks out for your pockets by highlighting deals to help you save money. Get unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. To start your 14-day free trial, click the link in the show notes to let Instacart know that I sent you and to help support the show. Welcome to episode 19 of the Nurses on Fire podcast. And if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I'd be eternally grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share with other nurses that you know could benefit. When you post that review, please make sure to take a screenshot and send it to Nasima at financiallyintentional.com. This week's review comes from 581 L-A-L-T-L. Thanks for a great podcast. The interview with Aman and Christina was great. Really helped me get out of poor thinking habits about money and life in general. We are so conditioned into living a certain way to our detriment. Thank you so much for the five star review. And if you guys are listening in real time, I'm actually doing a giveaway for a $50 Amazon gift card to get us to our first 100 reviews. So once we get to 100 reviews, I am going to be selecting a winner to receive a $50 Amazon gift card to enter into the giveaway. Here are the steps that you need to take. Step one, write an honest review of the Nurses on Fire podcast on iTunes or now called the Apple podcast app before submitting it, screenshot it and then submit the review. Step two, send the screenshot of your review to Nasima at financiallyintentional.com. Step three, join the Nurses on Fire podcast Facebook group. When you join, it's going to ask you for your email. So use the same email that you use to submit the review. Once we get to 100 reviews, I will be selecting a winner to receive the $50 Amazon gift card. If you're unsure of how to leave a review or need the link to join the Nurses on Fire Facebook group, make sure you click the link to the show notes or in the Seymour section for whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this episode. 
So in episode 19 of the Nurses on Fire podcast, we are continuing our series of nurses living abroad. And I am so honored to have Luna Gio, who is a mom and a wife with a cross continental commute. I know you'll enjoy this episode because you'll see how she is able to enrich her kids life and do what's best for her family by living in East Africa while working in the San Francisco Bay Area. Without further ado, episode 19, this nurse is cross-continental. All right, so I am super excited to extend the conversation again to a nurse that lives abroad and works in this country, partially selfishly because this is what I really want to do with my life, but I am super excited to bring on another nurse that lives in East Africa and works in the San Francisco Bay Area. So Can you say hey to everybody and tell us a little bit about your background? All right. Hi, everybody. I'm a NICU nurse working in the Bay Area, and I've been a nurse for about 12 years now. I'm living in East Africa with my family, and I'm super excited to be here today. Awesome. So talk to us a little bit about how you got interested in nursing. Well, I was working dead-end job, low pay, no benefits, part-time. And I had my first child. I was uninsured. And so it was kind of just like a hectic time where I was just kind of scrambling. So I had my baby and I took a year off. And then I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I knew for sure I didn't want to go back to the soul-sucking jobs I had before. And I come from a family of nurses, actually. And it just seemed like the right pathway for me. So I did an accelerated bachelor's of nursing program. I had to do a lot of prereqs first. So it took me about almost two years to get that done. So by the time my son turned three, I was all done with my program and ready to go. Awesome. So did you go straight into the NICU or did you work somewhere else first? No, I went straight into the NICU. I knew I wanted to be in the mother baby realm and I got a preceptorship in the NICU and that just segued into getting a job in the NICU. So that's the only thing I've ever done. So if you're over five kilos, I'm not the nurse for you. That is hilarious. And I say that too about my patients. I'm like, if you're over three days old, I really don't know <laughs> what to do with you because I <laughs> I don't like peas. And if you're really sick, then you're going to go to the nursery. So, you know, there that is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's far, as far as babies. Of course, I do the moms. And so I'm like, if you're a man calling me for any kind of advice, I really can't help you. I don't know what to do with you. You know, if you fall out, I'm just call 911 just like anybody else, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that's the beauty of nursing, right? There's just so many different avenues you can take with it. It's not straightforward. Yes. And speaking of not being straightforward, you know, the way that we live our life as a nurse doesn't have to be like you go to work five days a week, you know, you take your vacation days 10 times a month and, you know, you're kind of just stuck in this grind. You can kind of create a life by design because of the flexibility of our job. And you've been able to do just that. Can you walk us through how you're able to actually live in East Africa with your family, but work in the Bay Area as a nurse? 
Well, it definitely took some time, right? It wasn't like I just became a brand new nurse and then boom, decided to engineer this life. But after you take some time in your specialty and your work and kind of really know what you're doing in your role, there's other job opportunities. So of course, I started full time and then just gradually the last two to three years, I went per diem. So when I went per diem is when all of the flexibility kind of opened up. And so how much a month do you work now? When I'm in California, my goal is to work 12 shifts when I'm there. 12 eight hours or 12 12 hours? 12 eight hour shifts. And so I work, that is my goal. And then if I can get overtime, I grab as much overtime as I can. And do you find that you can get overtime easily? I know that in a lot of jobs, overtime is easy. Sometimes it kind of depends on like what's going on in the unit. So sometimes it's like you can't, you know, get any and sometimes it's too much and, you know, you can get it all the time, (laughs) both ends, doubles, whatever. They just need, you know, you to stay. So it kind of depends, but I haven't had a problem hitting my minimum shifts when I've gone. And so what does that mean like financially for you? Like how much you're able to make in California versus what that affords you in East Africa? Let's see. So... I mean, pretty much off the bat, a couple of shifts are just for like my tickets and expenses and stuff like that. And the rest I'm able to bank for my kids. Basically, I'm responsible for paying their schooling. So East Africa in general, some things are inexpensive and then other things are expensive. So schooling is one thing that's on the higher side. When I lived in the Bay Area, my kids went to public school, so there weren't any kind of school fees to consider, but now there are school fees. And so primarily I pay for school fees is kind of my main thing. My husband works here where we are now too. So we're both working. But you're able to live pretty comfortably in East Africa off of your salary, just working your 12 shifts a month here, right? It's 12 shifts every two schedules. I work the first week of the schedule and the last week. So basically I'm here about six weeks and two weeks there. So six weeks off, two weeks on. And I hit two schedules when I'm there because my minimum as a per diem is four shifts a schedule. Does that make sense? So when I work two week sprint, that covers two schedules. So between what I'm making and what my husband is making, we're able to live very comfortably. The kids all go to school. I have four of them. So they all go to school. We have household help and things like that to help run the household while I'm gone because my husband's working full time. So there are some things that we need in place here to make it all happen. It's a big orchestrated, you know, affair with skill schedules and activities and just lots of things going on. But it all works because, you know, we have good people in place that help us. It sounds like you have a really strong support system in East Africa. Can you talk to me about like, what led you to want to live in East Africa? Yeah, it's not so random. My husband actually is from here. And so we wanted to have the kids really just immerse in their own culture and language and food and customs. And it was getting to a point where my oldest was about to be in high school. And we had been talking about this for years. My husband and I have been together over 20 years. And we knew if he starts high school, we just felt like it was a deadline. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be able to move a high schooler in the middle of his four years. It's just not going to happen. So if we're going to do this, we have to do it before he hits high school. And nine months later, 
from that conversation, we were gone. So my husband looked for a job. Oh my gosh, a lot <laughs> of preparation, so much preparation. I mean, it's a mind boggling amount of preparation. It's definitely not an easy feat. One was securing a job. My husband had to secure a job so that we would have visas and be able to you know, be in the country legally. And that also meant that he acquired some like additional online certifications in his field. So that was a process. And then we just had to like downsize all of our belongings. We have a home that we had to prepare for rent. We had cars that we had to sell. We had to establish new bank accounts. Like, I don't know if you've heard about Charles Schwab and its high yield investor checking account. Okay, good. I don't want to sound like a commercial, but (laughs) you know, that we had to just move all of our banking and so that we would have ease of use, you know, while we were here. We had to do medical, like vaccination. You know, I just want you to take a, a second and walk through like the banking piece and how that works. Like, because you make money here in the States, but you have to spend it there. So can you walk like I'm trying to conceptualize that for myself. Yeah. So my checks are direct deposited, you know, automatically by my job. And we have a lot of things on auto pay, like our mortgage and just certain things that we have to pay for on a monthly basis are all auto pay out of this account. So some things are just stay there and go out there. And then, you know, I just leave with cash and I bring it here and deposit it into my husband's account or we spend it as needed. There's some things that we do have to pay in dollars here versus the local currency. So I carry cash with me back. And in the chance that I can't do that, we just do wire transfers and transfer money into the accounts here. And the ATM, I can use my ATM anywhere here. You have the Charles Swab. So explain to us, because I know a tiny bit about the Charles Swab account, but explain to everybody else here, like about the Charles Swab account. Well, the beauty of this account is that they don't charge any foreign transaction fees. So the Charles Schwab account, it's called the High Yield Investor account. And the beauty of this account is that there's no foreign transaction fees. So when I use the card at the grocery store, at a restaurant or something like that, I don't get charged transaction fee for charging the purchase in local currency. And then in addition to that benefit, when I use the card at ATM to withdraw cash, at the end of every month, they refund all of my ATM fees. Yeah, it's really great to be able to have that flexibility because I use the card here. And then in my travels at different layovers, I use my card. And so the currency can switch up pretty frequently. So it's nice to have that option to use with so much freedom. So is this your primary account or is this just where you put money just for like your foreign transactions and all those things? No, it's my primary account. I mean, that's where our mortgage goes out of and that's where my checks are deposited into. And then we have an account here that my husband's checks are deposited into. Okay. So that's cool. So talk to us about your process of like renting your home out in the Bay Area. And so you always have a place to come back to, but then you're also generating rental income. Yes. I actually don't live in my own home when I come back because it's fully rented. We have a garage that we had stored our belongings in, so we don't incur the cost of storage. So there was like some, you know, furniture that was passed down to us and kind of things like that, that we've kept in our garage. So that's one thing is nice that we don't have to pay for storage. And then we used a company called Hubhouse and they're a very interesting concept. 
It's a company that rents the home from the owner and they in turn sublet each individual room and they maintain all the communication with the tenant. They communicate to me if there's issue with the house that needs repairs. They handle all of the transactions as far as taking the money, paying me, all of that kind of thing is handled by them. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. I don't know how I've never heard of them, but that's awesome. Thank you for that resource. Yeah. And whether or not the house is full or not, I still get the same amount of rent and they don't charge the owners a fee like a typical property manager would. They don't charge a percentage. They get their, they make their money by charging higher rent for each room. But they guarantee your rent every month? They guarantee my rent every month. Regardless, it could be have one person, the house could be empty. The max in my home is five. So it could be at five, it could be at four. I still get the rent every month, regardless of how many people are in there. That is amazing. Awesome. I love that. Thank you for that resource. It's been the best deal. And it's been so easy for us as far as, you know, I don't have to worry. I don't have multiple people calling me with issues. They send me an email or if it's a minor issue, they take care of it themselves and they just deduct it from the rent. So it makes it just really easy and especially being so far away. So it's nice to have that peace of mind. Wow. Okay. So we covered your housing. So while you're even working out here, you don't stay at your house because it's fully rented and that's taken care of. So you're able to keep Mm -hmm. your house in the Bay Area, make sure that your mortgage is covered and that's worry-free. So well, mm-hmm. as it's generating, you know, <laughs> it's extra appreciation by the high <laughs> Bay Area real estate yeah. standards, uh-huh. you're benefiting from that. And then you also have a place to stay while you're out here not paying for housing when you come out here, right? Right. I stay with friends. I'm really lucky to have, you know, grown a large community of close friends that are family. And I've always been welcomed when I'm here for visits. Well, they think it's a visit (laughs) for me. It's like a hardcore work trip, but you know, I'm welcome with open arms. So I always have a place to stay and I'm an easy guest, right? Because I work night shift so that I can stay on the East African time zone. And so basically while they're at work, I'm sleeping. And when they get home, I'm taking off. So I'm a pretty quiet house guest yeah, in that respect. Say, having a nurse as a house guest that's out here for work is like one of the best things. I mean, what's even better is having them as a tenant. But for you, it's extra awesome that you can just be a guest. So that is so cool. I'm known as a debt slayer because of the $200,000 in student loans I slayed in two and a half years. I hated those loans and dealing with the loan servicers. I was head down and focused and wanted to get rid of the debt as soon as possible. Knocking out these loans and seeing a zero loan balance was one of the most liberating feelings I have ever felt. But recently I learned that by not optimizing my student loan payoff strategy, I lost money. I'm talking about big money, y'all. I could have saved $80,000 if I had a customized student loan plan by the team at Student Loan Planner. Please don't make the same mistake as me. If you have student loan debt, especially in the six figures, head over to studentloanplanner.com slash financially intentional to get your customized student loan plan today. Do you know how your retirement funds are invested? Do you know how much you're paying in fees? Chances are you're on the same boat as some of my coworkers. Some of them set up their retirement when they first got hired and never looked at it again. 
Some have let a computer select their investments and don't even know what they're invested in. Worst of all, some people have their retirement funds sitting in a savings account and they're not even invested in the market because they're afraid to lose money. That's hella scary, y'all. What's even scarier is that some of you listening don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. And guess what? This is super common. This has to change today. Let Bloom do the work for you. Head over to financiallyintentional.com bloom and get your free retirement account analysis. They'll check and see if your retirement account is optimized for you and they'll let you know if you're paying too much in fees. That's Bloom with three O's. Bloom can also manage your retirement account on an ongoing basis so you can take the stress out of retirement planning. If you choose to work with Bloom, their fees are incredibly low, less than your Netflix subscription. You have enough to worry about. Let Bloom handle your retirement account. The hardest thing you'll have to do when it comes to your retirement is remember that Bloom is spelled with three O's. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash Bloom. Remember, spelled with three O's and get your retirement account squared away today. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the education in East Africa versus in the Bay Area. So I know that you said that you have to pay for school, which is not something that's uncommon in Africa, that you pay for schools, but you weren't paying for schools in Oakland. But, mm-hmm. you know, in Oakland, I found myself having to pay for schools when I moved back out here. So is it because just the Oakland public schools? And where in my neighborhood mm. or where I was qualified to get into, cause I kind of registered my daughter really late for school. So I'm ending up having to pay for a school. But I just wanted mm. to talk to you about the difference in the education here versus there. Well, there's a lot more options here. I feel like they have lots of different schools with different educational programs. So like International Baccalaureate, Cambridge System, the NECTA system. So they just have different choices at all these schools. So really, you kind of see what program fits your child and your budget, because there's also a large variation in costs and kind of take your pick. So for us, we kind of have our kids in different programs. We have the younger kids in a Cambridge program, and then we have the older kids in a international baccalaureate program. They're really different programs, but they're all thriving. It makes a really big difference to be in a culture where there's high expectations for everybody. My kids are mixed. And so having their teachers, you know, be black and have their peers be black and brown and just something different about that. And I can just see the confidence has grown in all of them from the youngest to the biggest, and just the comfort level and just having role models to look up to. It just really makes a world of difference in their core and like who they are. So the school system here has a lot more choices. There's international baccalaureate program, Cambridge programs, etc. So really, it's about finding the program that works for you and that fits into your budget. I think the biggest difference for my kids in a lot of ways, it's a little more disciplined. So like the uniforms and dress codes and things like that. So I feel like school overall just has more of a serious like connotation. 
I just feel like it's a little more laid back in the Bay Area. So here feels feels school like it's like a job. It's more disciplined. You really have to focus because it's like the foundation, you know, of how you're going to do well. How do your kids like it? The kids are doing really well. I feel like, you know, my girl had the hardest time. I think it was just the age and transitioning and friend groups and kind of social things like that. There was just a lot of different gender expectations. And I think she felt that the most. My older son fell right into it. He found his friend group really easily and kind of ran with it. And I've kind of never seen him again. (laughs) It's such a busy social calendar. And the younger two are having a good time. But I feel like the school was a little more strict. And so that took an adjustment. And then just the way things were being taught and presented and concepts, it's just different. They all repeated a grade when we got here. They were all kind of born in the summer, so young. They were young fives when they started kindergarten. So it just seemed like no harm in having them all start over, considering there was so much to get used to as far as like cultural standards and teaching methods and school environment and just a huge transition. So they all started back in the grades, the same grades that they were when we left. There was a little hemming and hawing about that, but now it's fine. They're all acclimated to the grades that they're in. Was that a requirement or a recommendation? No, it was a recommendation. And in the end, I found that it was probably good for all of them because like I said, they were young fives when they all started, you know, they're all different ages. They're not triplets or anything like that, but they were all born in the same month. So, wow, you know, they're young. Yeah. (laughs) So like literally one was like turn five and then right before the deadline for kindergarten, you know, so I feel like since they were all kind of on the younger side when they started schooling that. It was to their benefit just to take a little more time to get used to, you know, being here and the transition and then to just to get used to everything that it was good for them and us for to navigate everything. Because it's just you're so used to knowing how to adult like where you were. I didn't know how to adult here. <laughs> you know, I had to learn all over again how to do a lot of things, just the language barrier and just the way they do things sometimes is different. So just having to relearn that process. So I know me having to acclimate and learn things over again, that they as children would have to go through that same process. So giving them that extra time to me was beneficial. And I didn't see any harm in it at this point. They're all thriving and happy and settled. And I think a key element too, and is that they're just very comfortable and the expectations are just higher. My kids are black kids, you know, and Just being in an environment where you have role models that look like you and teachers that have the same expectations of you and no different because of your skin color. I mean, it just really makes a huge difference in their core of just feeling centered and kind of grounded. And I really have seen that change throughout this last year. And if that's not (laughs) the main reason why (laughs) you would want to have your kids live out there or just live out there in general, I feel like that is a tremendous benefit. And I think, and I'm glad you get that. I'm glad that you understand that and that you understand the value of being surrounded by people that look like you and that people that you can actually aspire to. And I think that that's underrated often, especially in America. Mm -hmm. People need to know what's possible for them, but sometimes it has Mm -hmm. to come from somebody that looks like you. And that's what I'm doing actually in the personal finance space Mm -hmm. is there's not a lot of people that look like us. There's not a lot of looks like me. There's 
not a lot of people mm-hmm. that look like, I mean, that are nurses in the space. And I think if you hear mm-hmm. a voice that you relate to, or you see an image that you relate to, you're more likely to think that it's attainable for you and therefore pursue those things. And so that's the whole mission of this platform. But I Mm -hmm. am so happy that you understood that that's what your kids not necessarily needed, but what would really aid them in forming who they are, their identities and what's possible for them in life. So I want to like give you a major kudos for that because I think that a lot of people just don't understand that. I agree with you 100%. And I mean, especially with my older son, you know, being that he's in his teens, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you that I feel like I've extended his life, you know, like it's America is a scary place for a young black male. And so for me, I just feel like I have preserved his boyhood and that he can be like a child and grow into the man that he needs to be or that he wants to be by being here. So really everything I do is sacrifice is for them. And they're just my priority in that respect. Amen to that. I mean, being a black man in America is (laughs) just super dangerous. I mean, you, if you think like one out of three black men ends up incarcerated or dead, and I've seen it just, you know, I'm born and raised in Oakland and just the men that I graduated with, few and far between are still alive. And if they are alive, a Mm -hmm. lot of them have been in and out of the prison system. And, you know, it's very few of them that are successful. And so I really applaud you for what you're doing because I think, you know, for most of the population, they might not be able to understand that. But when you are raising Black children in general in America, these are things that you have to take into consideration, especially boys. Like you send your kids to school every day and Mm -hmm. you're not sure if they're going to come home just on the strength of their skin color, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. And the police don't carry guns here. (laughs) Can I just add that in there? The police do not carry guns here. Wow. So it just adds to like... Like, you know, just that kind of preservation of culture and self and just really being connected in a deep and meaningful way and knowing that you have power in that and that's to be celebrated and encouraged and loved and shine a light on it, you know, like it's all good. So that's what I want them to grow up in. That was motivating force, you know, to be here. That's awesome. One more thing I wanted to touch on as far as education is that, and I find, and let me know if this is true. When you are educated in, you know, Africa or any of those other countries, like going to college internationally in different countries is one of those things that's aspirational or that's something that's a standard, I should say. Like, so are your kids like because they're in this international baccalaureate, like what kind of schools are they looking to go into? What kind of education? are they expected to have post uh, post secondary well i mean everybody is expected to go to university uh, that's just the expectation so a lot of his older the kids that are older in the diploma program cuz after the middle years program is diploma and then from there they go to university they're going all over canada the us europe they're going all over for school Right. And that's just the expectation. That's just the norm. That's right? the expectation. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like when you're yeah. held to a higher standard, you actually meet it. <laughs> and I feel like our standards are so low here. Yes. But also, you know, there is a socioeconomic twist on that. Not everybody can afford to go to these private schools and attend university and things like that. So 
there's also deep poverty that holds people, even though the expectations are there in general. Not everybody can reach that because of the socioeconomic imbalances. Yeah, that's very true. That's something that we shouldn't overshadow. I mean, and I hate this term, but, you know, Africa is looked at as a third world country, meaning that, you know, there are a lot of people that are living below the international poverty line there. And so education is a privilege, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to overlook that. Yeah, that's very important. But your kids actually have the privilege to be able to, you know, pursue that education because of where you are, how you position yourself. I mean, you know, you were born Mm -hmm. in America. (laughs) And so that's one privilege right there. But, you know, your husband is East African and you were able to Mm -hmm. bring your kids back to Africa to provide them with, you know, what's best for them all around. And, you know, that's what really matters. And nursing was a key component to that. I mean, there's no way I could have done any of this prior to becoming a nurse. Nursing and becoming a nurse, like, changed the trajectory of our lives, hands down. That was, like, the biggest shift. Yes. And because, you know, you're able to earn a very good income (laughs) just as a nurse without even having the perks, like the benefits and all that kind of stuff, that income alone that you're able to garner is what can help your family and, you know, elevate your family to another level. So that's awesome. But this is a personal finance podcast. And, you know, I didn't want to skip over the fact that you were able to pay off a massive amount of debt. And that kind of set you on a path to to be financially stable, to be able to do this. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you're mm-hmm. able to pay off debt? Yeah, we had, had just graduated from nursing school and got my first job. And then, of course, the first thing we wanted to do was buy a house, you know, the American dream. And so we did that pretty shortly after I graduated. And literally the day after we signed, the market crashed. And we're like, oh, no. So we're immediately underwater. And here I am, like, making the most money I've ever made in my life. And my husband, you know, trucking along with his career. And, like, combined, we're making the most money we've ever made together. And we're still not cutting it. Like, what's going on here? There's something that has to be – there's something wrong here. You know, this picture doesn't make sense. Like on paper, we should be able to afford all of this, but it just wasn't happening. And so a friend of mine tipped me off to Dave Ramsey and we read the total money makeover and just started on, you know, the debt snowball. And that really helped us get things under control. So we paid off some of my student loans and credit cards and cars. And, you know, we got into a position where we finally could breathe and that we were not just so desperate at the end of every month. So that made a huge difference because once we were able to clear out some of the debt and open up some space, then we were able to really think, okay, where do we want to go from here? What's possible? Those kind of things came in turn. So yeah, it just opens up a world of possibility. So is that the house that you have Mm -hmm. now? Is that the same house that you bought during that time? Yes, we were able to hold on to that house. And thank goodness we did because now we're fine. You know, we're no longer underwater, but those first few years were tough. And I bet you that house has appreciated massively. Yes, it's totally fine now. Not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) We're basically priced out of the neighborhood now. There's no way we could afford it now, you know, so it's definitely done well with time. But at the beginning, you know, it was just we had a second baby and it was just a rough time. 
you know, and just kind of getting on the same page about the debt and controlling our spending. I mean, that was the key element. It's like, okay, we're in a position where we're making money now, but we still don't know how to handle the money well. We're just kind of spending willy nilly. So just kind of really learning those steps. It's not something that's taught in school. You know, it's not something that's a learned behavior that wasn't passed down to either of us, you know? So it's something that we really had to like learn ourselves. And yeah, well, most people who reach out to me, like, it's not that they're like only making like $20,000 a year and struggling. It's that they make a pretty good income, but you know, lifestyle inflation is one thing with meaning that, you know, they bought the house, they bought the car, they did everything that they were supposed to do. And, but they feel underwater because, you know, they haven't been taught how to manage money. So they're not where they want to be financially. Like that's most of my audience. And it's not like you're doing anything wrong. It's just that you have never been taught Mm -hmm. how to manage your money. So, you know, you did all the things. You graduated from nursing school. You guys both, you know, you are making more money than you had ever made. You bought the house like you were supposed to. And then all of a sudden, like the market crashes and you have these babies and, you know, like all these things. And then you're stuck in a place like where you could, lose it all. But you were able to pull yourself out of that situation Mm -hmm. by, you know, using Dave Ramsey's method, getting on the same page with your husband and using methods like the desk snowball to pull yourself out of it. And so that's another thing that I want people to understand. It's totally possible. And that's why I'm so grateful for you for sharing your story, because a lot of people are in that position and they just don't know what to do. And yes, it's possible to change the trajectory of your life and to open up different possibilities, like being able to live in another country so that your kids are surrounded by the people that (laughs) look like them and they can aspire to. And so, you know, I feel like you're living your best life because you're able to take six weeks off at a time of work, come out here and just work your shifts and then go back home and then just live your life by design. And so I think that is incredible. And, you know, thank you so much for being open and willing to share your story because I know it'll help so many people. Yeah. Having the best of both worlds, really, you know, I'm able to be the mother I want to be when I'm off. And then I'm the nurse that I want to be when I'm not off when I'm working, you know, I put my head down and do my shifts. And it's just a great combination that's fulfilling for me. And then it's good for my family. So thank you so much for having me. Man, I just love how Luna is unapologetic about making sure that her family is afforded the best. Lesson number one. Being a nurse and now listening to this podcast, it's really about knowing what options you have available and making sure you're taking advantage of the tools that you have at hand to create life by design. Because of Luna's status as being an experienced nurse and being able to work per diem, she is able to create her life by design. I'm here about six weeks and two weeks there. So six weeks off, two weeks on. And I hit two schedules when I'm there because my minimum as a per diem is four shifts a schedule. Does that make sense? So when I work two week sprint, that covers two schedules. So between what I'm making and what my husband is making, we're able to live very comfortably. 
Lesson number two. We all want to do what's best for our kids and taking her kids back to her husband's home country in East Africa puts them in an environment conducive for them to thrive. It makes a really big difference to be in a culture where there's high expectations for everybody. My kids are mixed and so having their teachers you know, be black and have their peers be black and brown and just something different about that. And I can just see the confidence has grown in all of them from the youngest to the biggest and just the comfort level and just having role models to look up to. It just really makes a world of difference in their core and like who they are. Lesson number three. So we paid off some of my student loans and credit cards and cars and you know we got into a position where we finally could breathe and that we were not just so desperate at the end of every month so that made a huge difference because once we were able to clear out some of the debt and open up some space then we were able to really think okay where do we want to go from here what's possible so by getting her financial house in order Luna was prepared for international spending so in East Africa she has to pay her rent six months in advance buy cars and cash and buy electricities by the kilowatts and when you run out you buy more so no money equals no electricity so it's very different there versus the buy now pay later consumerist mentality that we have in the states Hey guys, I'm super excited to announce that I'll be speaking at the first annual Financial Freedom Summit and I want to meet you there. It's going down May 1st through 3rd, 2020 in St. Louis. So if you're ready to kick your finances in gear, the mission of the summit is simple, to help you reach the next level in your financial journey, no matter where you are. Whether you're thousands in debt, building your first budget, saving six months of expenses, or close to financial independence, there's something for you at this event. What's even better is that there'll be 50 plus other financial experts for you to learn from, including my finance besties, Jamila from Journey to Launch and Kirsten and Julian from Rich and Regular. There'll be experts covering nearly every personal finance topic. This is your chance to connect with thousands of other people who have the same interests, goals, and philosophies as you. Not just that, but I'd love to meet you as well. So tickets are going fast, meaning that prices are going to increase soon. I want to make sure you get the biggest bang for your buck. Better yet, you can use a special discount code to get an even lower price. So use Freedom at checkout for 20% off your ticket. That's Freedom at checkout. Seriously, y'all, I think this event is going to be life-changing for so many people. I'm super honored to be part of it. So for more information on the first annual Financial Freedom Summit, click the link in the show notes. And don't forget to use the code FREEDOM at checkout. You've been listening to Nurses on Fire. If you want to learn more about me or my guests, check out our show notes page. If you found value, please support our show by supporting our sponsors and affiliates also listed in the show notes. 
If you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcast app you're using to stream this show. You guys, tell all the nurses in your life to subscribe. (laughs) And if you know a nurse with a compelling money story and would like me to feature them, shoot me an email at nasima at financiallyintentional.com. All right, y'all. Much love and keep them fires blazing. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.